Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to episode number 10, Angels and UFOs, part 2. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Well, welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell, and I'm here with... Zena. And we're going to talk about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. Are you ready to take the red pill, Zena? I am. Very good. Today, we're going to continue a discussion we started last week about aliens and UFOs. And you might remember we talked about aliens probably are fallen angels. Yes. Not really extraterrestrial beings from another planet, Mm -hmm. but extraterrestrial beings from another realm. Very true. Right? So the outer space, the second heaven is probably where they abide. And I don't know how far away they could travel with their technology, but it does appear that they have some technology. Yeah, that they're they're UFOs. And mm -hmm. are you saying like that they have the, that they can like shape shift? You know, that's a good question. Uh, I haven't even thought about that. I know they can appear in different forms Mm -hmm. as angels. You know, angels have appeared in the Bible and they've looked like men. Yes. And then they can also look like angels. Yeah. And the Bible has a verse that mentions that Satan himself can be transformed into an angel of light, which implies that he could put on the deception of being, you know, a good thing instead okay. of instead of evil. Right? Yeah. So that would sort of indicate they can shape shift like you like mm-hmm. you said. But the, the real question is can their technology do that? That is a good question. You know, like, it's, and that's kind of where I thought you might have been going. Like, can their spacecraft, if they are, right. change shapes? Because I was just watching some um, documentaries about UFOs, and the classic flying saucer is one shape that we see a lot. Yes. But they have one that looks sort of like a giant Tic Tac. Really? Yeah, that it's almost like an oblong, like a pill. Okay. You know? And then they have another flying craft that looks like a big V, like a delta shape. You know, like a Delta yeah. And that is actually, I think, one of the crafts that um, I know some people that are retired law enforcement officers that used to work in New Braunfels. And they saw a huge craft in uh, over New Braunfels in the 70s. No yeah. way. Yeah. And uh, he talked about how it just appeared over these houses right off of I-35. And uh, they watched it. And he's, to him, it looked as though it just enclosed on itself. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, what he thinks is it just took off away from them so fast, it just looked like a light that just disappeared. Wow, like a bolt, <laughs> like a like lightning bolt. Exactly, like a bullet. And speaking of lightning, you know, that's one of the passages that we read last week that we saw there are craft that Ezekiel saw. And I call them crafts. He called them wheels. 
But as we discussed, you know, having never seen a flying saucer in his day or anything that could fly but a bird, uh, he described what looked like a wheel on its side. Yes. And so when you think about it, if a wheel rolls, think of a tire or a bicycle tire upright on its edge rolling, he, Ezekiel, would have been familiar with a wheel of a cart maybe or a carriage or something. Yeah, like a barrel. Exactly. But if you turned it on its side and it was like a saucer, yeah, that you lay on a table mm-hmm. or something, and he saw that in the air, then he would describe that as a wheel on its side. Yes. Because what else would he know that's round (laughs) other than a wheel? So this is officially going to be part two. And we left off last week. We talked about one documentary called The Phenomenon, which is available for people to watch. And it's sort of like the, the declassification of the Project Blue Book from 2017. That is now the government is revealing what they know. And then this other um, program I was just watching recently called Unidentified is on the History Channel. Okay. And Tom DeLonge was sort of involved, from Blink-182, was sort of involved in bringing together a group of people. And a man whose last name is Elizondo, who was a high-ranking guy that was over all this classified information at the Pentagon. And he's now the main guy that runs around investigating stuff. I love that he's sharing this information with us. It's almost like he's coming clean. Right. He's (laughs) like, let me get off my chest. So besides the fact that it looks like they're starting to reveal or release what they've hidden for many, many years, at least in the U.S. government. Okay. We've had for years and years um, media, movies, books, TV shows, whatever, that may have been preparing us for ultimately an arrival of some form. And I just made a short list of movies that are either fairly current or older, but okay. you, you might have heard of Prometheus. Yes. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know, I have. Star Trek, Arrival, E.T. E.T. And an old sure. movie was The Day the Earth Stood Still. Not seeing that one. That's back from the 50s. But there was a flying saucer that landed, and then this big robot comes out, and it, it's really an interesting movie. Uh, and there's several others, you know. And Mission to Mars was one I, I made note of because, interestingly, in that one, and Gary Sinise was in that movie, they travel to Mars and end up finding these buildings that were there for who knows how long, mm-hmm. and they are able to find their way into it, and they there's like a recording of basically the history of how we got here, and their whole theory was, or the movie's premise was, that our ancestors were Martians who seeded their DNA to the, the Earth, and we even talked about that last week, that yeah. uh, maybe angels are going to claim that we're going to genetically manipulate you when they arrive, and bring you to a higher level because they've done this in the past. Yes. So it's almost as though society and media and things like that are preparing us for some sort of idea. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned Ezekiel a moment ago, and, and you might recall in the last episode that Ezekiel saw these living creatures with their wheels that moved with them. And those living creatures they saw were God's actual angels. They were cherubs. Yes. And they were good angels, but they had these wheels, I'll call them crafts, you know, spacecraft <laughs> that they tra- traveled in. And verse 14 of chapter one said they returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. They ran and returned. So let's talk about moving fast. Yeah. And one thing that these declassified radar films and footage and things are revealing is that these crafts move so fast. Craft. <laughs> they move so <laughs> fast. I sound like I'm from Louisiana, don't I? <laughs> Which I am. Uh, they move so fast that they can't even keep a lock on them for radar. You know, we're talking something like 3,700 miles an hour 
whoa, just just taking off, and and incidentally taking off and reaching that speed almost instantly, not just slowly traveling up like yeah. a, like a jetliner takes off and then finally gets to cruising speed, <laughs> right? Well, this thing uh, they're saying can not only take off instantly these crafts, but they can uh, make a right turn on a dime. And what we understand from what these guys are saying in these documentaries is that there are G forces involved okay. when you're moving, and even in a car. You know, if you got in an accident going 35 miles an hour, and a car hit you and brought you to a very sudden stop, you're going to slam against the yes. opposite motion with G force. Mm -hmm. Okay, and in many cases that can kill you, and that's very just true. a car going 40 miles an hour. Yeah. If you were in a craft that could turn at 90 degrees instantly going 3,700 miles an hour, it would, you would be flattened and yeah. splattered against the wall if you were a human being. So the idea of what possible beings could be in these crafts starts to point away from physicality as we understand it. Yeah, so they're right? definitely not humans. Not humans, right. And the fact that they can move like this. And then you'll also recall we looked at another uh, Torah or Old Testament prophet called Zechariah. Mm -hmm. And he saw he what he described as two different types of crafts uh, in the sky. <laughs> one was an ephah, and one was a roll, a flying roll. And remember, we found out that's a scroll. Yes. A book type. But he mentions that this is their resemblance through all the earth. So there was more than one. There was some wickedness involved in them. And the, obviously, people can't see this in the podcast, but we, we had pictures of the ephah and the roll, which is the Hebrew word megillah. And they kind of looked like items that if you, you know, that could be a flying saucer or craft. I that believe. could be a missile right? of some kind because it's conical shaped when it's rolled up and the and the, the vellum or whatever the material is, papyrus is rolled up. So you can imagine that if this was a common thing and suddenly you see a craft flying in the air that Zechariah might have called it an ephah because yeah. that's what it looked like. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to pick up and we're going to talk about angels and UFOs again, but we're going to delve a little bit more into that idea of could they be doing some genetic manipulating? And what I think uh, and what even Ryan Peterson in our interview with him talked about is the possibility that when the Antichrist appears and the angels come down because they're going to be cast out of heaven, which we'll mention in a second, are they going to offer the mark of the beast that genetically changes you somehow? to be a human-angel hybrid as they've been in the past. My goodness. Okay, so in Ephesians chapter 6, I want to read again in verse 12. Ephesians is a New Testament letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. Okay. And in describing the tricks or the wiles of the devil, he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We were just talking about G-forces and a right? human being, right? <laughs> we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So spiritual wickedness in high places, second heaven, starry realm. That makes a lot of sense. That there's wickedness, that these UFOs are probably not benign. They don't want the betterment of mankind. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not Vulcans coming down to bring us warp drive technology, <laughs> right? There's something more sinister going on. So these principalities and powers are aligned with probably, well, in fact, I know they're the fallen angels, but the fallen angels are more likely going to reveal themselves to be aliens once they're cast out of heaven. Yeah. Right? They have their 
counterparts on the earth of human beings. And we're going to, at some point as we build this podcast, we're going to get to the darkest side of Bible mysteries, which is going to be this global elite of people that manipulate and control mankind. And the angels empower them, but they're human beings that, like I mentioned before, ultra, ultra wealthy, and they don't care who they hurt. And they ultimately want to bring about the uh, governmental system that will allow the Antichrist to take over. That's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's an awful thing to think about. They've been behind the scenes from the beginning, but they're getting so powerful now, and it seems like the time is right for them to step out of the shadows. Yes. That's what I think could be happening. But anyway, Revelation chapter 12, again, the last book of the Bible, and we keep referring to this because it is that war in heaven we discussed a few weeks ago. And in the war in heaven, Satan and his angels fight against Michael and his angels, and they're going to be cast out. And it says there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, Satan. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Their place is in heaven. They're going to be cast out and confined to the earth, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So I take this to mean that when they're cast out, they're confined. They no longer will have access. Okay. Because the next verse says the heavens rejoice because they've been purged, they've been cleansed, so to speak, of Satan and his angels. But then it says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. So it looks like they're down here, and we discuss he's as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour at that time. He yes. knows he has a short time, and he's out for vengeance. So going back to our discussion about the giants and the Nephilim, we found out that way back when, as man began to multiply on the earth, that the sons of God, which were fallen angels, took wives of the daughters of men. Yes. And their children were these hybrid offspring, some of whom were the Nephilim, the giants. Yes. Okay. Well, back in Genesis chapter 6, if we read that section again, there's something that we didn't focus on in the study about the giants, but we're going to look at now. And that is that in verse 5 of Genesis 6, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Can you imagine a world where every thought man had was only evil? No. Because we think of good things. Yeah. And people think of and do bad things. For sure. But, you know, most of us want to live our lives in harmony with our fellow man. Yeah, very know? positive and uplifting. And then you've got sociopaths and psychopaths and yeah. whatever and <laughs> politicians. Like <laughs> <laughs> you tell me about it. <laughs> but for the most part, we... we Try to do good by each other. We want people to like us and whatever. You know, love thy neighbor. Exactly. And we had to be told that, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) God had to remind us. But in this case, it was so bad. Verse 6 says, it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth. And God said, I'm sorry, I made him. You know, I don't don't want him to continue. And the Lord agreed to met his heart. God has a heart, right? And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth. And if we were to just stop there and say, yeah, man got so bad, you know, that God was sorry that he made him, you could say, well, okay, how's that any different than now? Yes. Well, we were just discussing, man, today, we do wicked things, but we want to do good things, too. Very true. Most people. So I don't know if every imagination of man's heart is only evil continually. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe the Bible is hyperbole. I don't think it's just saying that to be an exaggeration. If it's God's record, then it must be true. 
Yes. So what would cause it to be such that every imagination, every thought that every person had was only evil continually? And that's more likely to be some sort of intervention. And this corresponds to the time when the giants were born. Yes. And the sons of God took the daughters of men. They probably taught mankind all manner of evil things, and man became totally corrupt. But that's not all. And here's where I want to focus with the next verse. It says, I'm going to destroy man whom I created, verse 7, from the face of the earth. And then he says, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. So I can understand if man was evil because the angels taught them how to be so bad that they only thought about evil things. But animals... Yeah. They don't think evil or not evil. They're just instinct, right? Do you think, like, they were manipulated as well? I do. It it would appear that, and we're going to see the very next verse I'm going to read has to, seems to be pointing in that direction, that if Satan's aim was to prevent the bloodline of the seed of the woman that would destroy him from being born Mm -hmm. by infiltrating humanity with angel DNA, fallen angel DNA, then why not, why stop there? Why not corrupt God's perfect creation as he's done in the past in the battles that ensued before that first destruction mm-hmm. when God made the earth for the angels to inhabit? Yes. Right? And then he replaced them with man. So he hates man because man replaced him. So it would make sense that he wants to destroy everything God did, yeah. corrupt it. And the next hint we get that that is true is in verse 11. So it says, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and watch this, behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. All flesh had corrupted God's way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. That's every living thing, you know, animal, human, animal, bird, whatever. The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Who is they? Who is them? I would assume all of the wicked men, um, for sure the giants, and then the animals that were corrupted by the giants and by the fallen angels. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. I mean, that's that's why he brought the flood, and that's why Noah built the ark, to wipe away all of that. Exactly. And, and he, he didn't offer, really, salvation. He said, Noah, get in the ark with your family. Mm-hmm. But it took Noah 120 years to prepare that ark. And during that whole time, he preached, and he said, the end is coming. He did. You know, so in, in that time, man, I guess there's, it could have been that man could have said, okay, I'm not going to intermingle. I'm not going to mess with these angels or the giants or whatever. And he chose not to, uh, and just didn't, didn't receive whatever God was offering. But ultimately we just know that eight people were saved Yes. and two of every kind of animal. Mm-hmm. So the indication would be that God would have saved his, his design of male and female animals, Yes. not the corrupted versions. Mm-hmm. And hence we don't have running around here, griffins and satyrs and right? minotaurs and <laughs> whatever, cyclopses and things like that anymore. Uh, but we did discuss how some giants came through the lineage of possibly ham. 
Mm-hmm. And through his son Canaan, who appeared to have been a giant, yes, the giants populated the land of Canaan. And you know, Canaan wasn't known for doing anything, and yet he had an entire region of the world named after him. I know. <laughs> it's like, what did you do, Canaan? Well, I built this, I invented that, I did. Nope, nope, you didn't do anything. Okay, I was a giant. Right, that's it. It was really, really big. That would make sense. So it looks to me like the angels at one point had been involved in genetically manipulating God's creation. Mm -hmm. So if they've done it before, they'll do it again. And we're going to have an entire podcast episode about there's a verse in the Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes that says there's nothing new under the sun. It's all been done before. I'm paraphrasing. I was like, I really like that. (laughs) And it's a beautiful passage. And I'll bet you know a verse from that book because there was a song way back in the 60s written out of this verse. And it was a popular song by a band called The Birds. The Birds. But the song was uh, uh, Turn, Turn, Turn. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to mourn, and on and on. And they put that that verse to music in a really cool song, and it became a popular hit, but it was literally just a passage out of the Bible. And they weren't a religious group. They just threw it all together. <laughs> and it was sort of a 60s war protest type thing. Okay. And it fit. It fit the time. Right. You know? That passage, though, or that book, rather, Ecclesiastes, has so much wisdom like that. King Solomon wrote that book. Really? And he was known for being so wise. Right. And it's like the wisdom of God to the world. It mm-hmm. was sort of like not necessarily spiritual truths, although there are some in there, but it was sort of like just generic truths. You reap what you sow. Yes. That's going to happen no matter who you are. You know, mm-hmm. it's that kind of wisdom. And so when it says something like it's all been done before, there's nothing new under the sun, that's a, that's a startling statement. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, history definitely does repeat itself, but like... How is it repeating itself in the Bible is my question. Like, right. Or, or even better, if you look at man, we think, as advancing technologically and intellectually, yeah. whatever. And we're getting more advanced. We have these smartphones. We have the ability to do this and that. You know, think of, think of an iPhone and think of like back in the 60s when the first Star Trek series, when they use these little communicators and they open it up. Well, nobody, the, the concept of a wireless communication was completely foreign to anybody. Right. And now we have it. You know? I know. So we're looking at ourselves as being very advanced and the Bible saying it's been done. We've done it before. So we don't know how advanced they were. Right. Prior to the flood. Do you think... Um... I wanted the wicked angels. Do you think like they're the reason why we have advanced technology? I think so, because now now we get into more of the UFO type history, mm-hmm. the logistics to answer your question, which is a really good one. So I don't know that the history of UFOs starts there. I think they go back all the way yeah. like, to the beginning. But recording things in unusual events seem to be sort of rare occurrences, but they happen all over the world. Yeah. Well, there was one significant one that happened in um, Roswell, New Mexico supposedly 1947 and yes. an alien shift crash land. And we don't know why, and we don't know if it's true, but I think it, it probably is. Whenever a ship crash lands or, or an aircraft crash lands, I should say the nation that picks up the rubble and the wreckage gets to reverse engineer, right? Whatever was designed. How cool. So, so for example, if, if a Russian MIG, fighter jet landed in U.S. territory somehow or crash landed, 
we're going to pick up all the scraps and we're going to go look at it and see what do they know? What do they know about their fighter jets? How have they designed it? How can we defeat them by reverse engineering? Yeah. Well, if a alien spacecraft landed, I guarantee you our air force would have reverse engineered it or at least tried to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that they got as much technology as they would love to have because we still can't fly anything like those things. (laughs) Right. But they probably got some technology. So maybe there is something there. Another name that can come up to answer your question, you might have, and if you haven't heard of this name, I won't be surprised. Nikola Tesla. Ever heard of that name? I have actually. Okay. Do you know who he is? The name is very familiar. Well, I'll tell you, he did something so profound and significant that every human being's life is affected directly by what he did. And he's almost never discussed in school. You've heard of Thomas Edison. Yes. What do you know he invented? The light bulb. And right off the bat, you think the light bulb. Mm -hmm. Well, and and he did other things, but that's his main claim to fame. Yes. Tesla worked for him. He was a Yugoslavian immigrant to the U.S. Okay. And he was a brilliant, brilliant scientist. And Edison was his hero. He went to work for him. And Edison designed the light bulb, and he came up with what is known as direct current, which you use every day if you use a battery. Mm-hmm. A battery has a north and a south pole, right? And direct current flows through it. And that's how you power a device like a phone or whatever, a radio. Um, Tesla designed something called alternating current. Look at that little plug behind you on the wall. That outlet is alternating current. Electricity. He harnessed electricity. It was already known about, but he found a way to get it into the individual homes. And he, he invented more than that. He actually, the first guy that invented the radio, not Marconi, Tesla invented radio. He invented microwave. That's what he's known. That's what I know him for, the microwave. The microwave oven. Okay. Fluorescent lights, right? He invented so many things. It's his list as long as your arm. But he died almost penniless. And when he died, all of his work and papers were confiscated by the FBI and taken by the government. He was even involved for a short time in something called the Manhattan Project, which if you studied World War II in your history, was what led to the creation of the atomic bomb. Mm -hmm. And he quit that project because he said, I don't want to be a part of this. We're going to destroy ourselves. But anyway, I bring up Tesla because he believed that he got his inspiration for his ideas from aliens. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, 
our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. He claimed that aliens spoke to him and gave him ideas, and he might have been telling the truth. So the sons of God came and visited him. Evidently, or somehow communicated to him. It could have been. I think he indicated that it was telepathically because he referred to something as the other. They spoke to me through the other. But interestingly enough, he said they were from Mars. (laughs) How interesting. It really is. So Tesla has many, many books about him. If you ever want to just be fascinated, you can read anything. And there's one called Tesla Man Out of Time. That's a really good book. Uh, but anyway, that's just an example of, in answer to your question, do you think maybe they gave us this technology? I think they probably did and have done so, you know, through pieces and bits here and yeah. there. And then uh, ultimately they're going to come with the final, hey, you want the rest of it? No, thanks. Take I'm good. this mark. <laughs> right? So it's very possible. But in order for that to happen, I think um, we're close to it, but some profound thing has to take place. And I think... As we discussed last week, if there's going to be that war in heaven between Michael and the dragon and his angels, when they're cast down, they're not going to admit that they were defeated in battle. They're going to try to pose themselves to be angels coming to bring us the final bit of technology. Yes. And it's like, and if you take our vaccine or mark or whatever, you'll get it. And I think when they take that vaccine or whatever it's going to be, it might genetically alter human beings because once they take the mark, they cannot be saved. And there's even going to be at some point during that time period of the tribulation, an angel of God who flies through heaven and says, don't take the mark or you won't be saved. Men won't be preaching anymore. An angel will be preaching from heaven, flying through heaven, pleading with men not to take the mark. You know? My goodness. So there's something very significant about that mark if you will. And I think it has to do with genetic manipulation. So if we go back to the book of Matthew, now Matthew is one of the four gospels in which Jesus lived his life on the earth. You know, his ministry was only three and a half years long. It's a very short time. Think of how profound his effect has been on the world. And yet he started preaching at age 30 and he was crucified at age 33. You know, so he really only had a three and a half year period of time when he did anything on the earth. He's the son of God, according to the Bible. Mm -hmm. Right. But as a man on the earth, you know, who does something for three years and he becomes one of the greatest figures in history. Right. That is crazy. And doesn't God like things in three? He does. Yeah. Three is a significant number. Mm -hmm. Remember, we talked about the Trinity, God, Father, Mm -hmm. God, Son, God, Holy Spirit. We talk about we as human beings are trinities. We have a body and a soul and a spirit mm-hmm. and on and on. The three heavens. Three heavens, yeah. The three years. Yep. And the three stories in the ark. Yes. It's, it's just, you can trace it down, three sections of the temple. Mm-hmm. You can trace it down to so many patterns that God follows. He's trying to tell us something. If we'll just listen. Right. <laughs> right. Now, Matthew chapter 24 was Jesus was shown all the buildings of that temple at the time. Herod was king of Israel. He built it or had it rebuilt after it was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. It went through several uh, renovations, if you will. 
But after they showed him all the buildings, they sort of marveled at it. Isn't this a beautiful temple? And Christ said, you see all these things? Not one stone is going to be left upon another at the end. You know, and they were like, when are these things going to be? So he began to answer the question about prophetically, when was all this going to happen? And there was essentially three questions that they asked, because it was, when will the temple be destroyed? Mm -hmm. And then he says, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the world? So they sort of rolled three questions into one and he begins to explain them, but he kind of, he wrapped them all into one thing. And so we have to go read through and break out the pieces that fit the right part, right? Okay. So when we get to chapter 24, verse 37 of Matthew, he said, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. Now the son of man is a term he used to reference to himself. So Jesus, the Christ was also called the son of man. He's the son of God, but he's the son of man in connection to the earth because he's going to come back to reign on the earth as a king. And he was also born of a woman to be fully human so that he could die for mankind. Okay. So son of man is a term they use. And it was also used for other prophets. So you can almost see why God ties it in because Christ is a prophet too. He's prophesying right now. But of the days, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So the coming of the Son of Man is going to be in the end of that seven-year period of time that we refer to as tribulation. And that seven years is split into two, three and a half, and three and a half. Mm-hmm. So back to three again, right? Three means perfection. Seven means completion. So when it's all completed, he returns. But he's saying that the days leading up to my return, if I may paraphrase, are going to be like it was in the days of Noah. And he refers to the days of Noah as they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. The only description that we have in the Bible of the days of Noah prior to the flood were angels marrying the daughters of men. Yes. And the hybrids that were born from them. So it seems like he's pointing us to say, it's going to be like that again. And it's he's not saying angels are going to come down and marry our daughters again, because I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to find out that they, the ones that did that in the past, well, we did find out they were punished. Yeah. They were thrown into the bottomless pit. Um, and when and they're going to be released in the future. Uh, and when they come out, they're monsters. They're now, not why angels. are they going to be released? Because they're part of God's wrath on the earth for what's about to happen again. Oh. <laughs> so it's interesting what's going to happen is it's sort of God's irony is beautiful. When the angels are defeated in the battle in heaven and they're cast down to the earth and they start trying to corrupt God's creation again right before the Lord comes back. God's going to pour out the worst type of plagues and, and things that the earth world has ever seen. And in one instance, this thing called the bottomless pit is opened up in the book of Revelation, and out of them come these locust-like creatures. And they have scorpion stings in their tail, and they torment men five months, and men can't die. They want to die, but they can't oh, die. That's terrible. It looks like they are those angels that sinned and took the daughters of men. Because there's even a king over them, and his name is Abaddon, which means the destroyer. 
okay? And it's, it's Hebrew. He's, he's also, in Greek, it's Apollyon, which is the destroyer. Okay. So they come out, and it's almost like the angels are cast down to the earth, and they're going to start manipulating man's genetics again somehow. And we think it's going to be through this UFO-type, alien-type thing. Mm-hmm. And um, these creatures come out, and they begin to torment men, probably because they took the mark. You know, there's an indication that there's a, at one point um, grievous sores fall upon all the men that take the mark. So it's a disease that happens. And you think about a disease that's selective to just certain people. Yeah. In this case, it's like right now we're talking about this COVID pandemic and anybody could be infected. Yes. But at this time, only people that take the mark can get the sores. So there must be something different about them. Genetically, it's not because it's not going to be limited to like male or female, ethnicity, age, mm-hmm. n- nothing like that. It's humanity that doesn't get the sores, but the but the ones that take the mark seem to be different. Maybe they're not fully human anymore. Right. You know, something's going on weird there. So with that reference in Matthew, we go to Daniel chapter two. Daniel is also an Old Testament prophet. He lived in the time when God allowed this Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar to conquer Israel and bring them captive because they disobeyed the Lord. Okay. So he said, you better, he sent prophet after prophet, you better straighten up, you better straighten up, and they wouldn't listen. They kept worshiping other gods. They kept worshiping the fallen angels. So he sent this one guy in and they carried him captive. Well, Daniel was a prophet of God from Israel, but he was living in Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar had this weird dream. And he didn't understand it, and all his magicians couldn't interpret it for him. So they, well, we heard there's a man of God among the Jews that can interpret dreams. So they go and they get Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 2, verse 22, we read that God revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. So only God knows the mysteries. He reveals them to his people. Mm-hmm. His magicians and astrologers couldn't understand. Nebuchadnezzar's men couldn't figure it out. And Daniel's saying, look, I don't know this because I'm great. I only know this because the God who reveals secrets told me. Yeah. So if we want to find truth about a mystery, we need to look to God's source. You know? Very true. So anyway, if we go down to verse 28, he tells us a little bit about what happened. He said, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. So essentially he's saying, you know that dream you had, king? God revealed a prophecy to you. I'm going to explain it to you. Okay. So he says, the dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. And I'm going to read the whole dream. It's short. Uh, It's just a few verses. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealed the secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. So we skip down to verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This was the dream. He dreamed this in Nebuchadnezzar. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote or struck the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. And then the stone is basically, we're going to find the interpretation here shortly, but the stone is Christ that destroys the image. So it's a picture really of the history of mankind 
leading up to the kingdom of God. Okay. It's really, That's really cool. It, it's really what it is. So he describes the image, and then he kind of wraps up the dream in verse 35. He says, Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together when, when the stone hit them, okay, and um, became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, if you just read that dream, you're thinking, what a weird dream, and what does it mean? So, yes. So he gives the interpretation of the dream. He says in verse 36, this is the dream. <laughs> and it was, this is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Okay. So we don't have to guess. God revealed the secret right here to Daniel. Good. <laughs> he says, thou, O king, meaning you, Nebuchadnezzar, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. God gave Nebuchadnezzar this kingdom. He didn't have it through his own means. He might have thought he did, but God gave it to him. Mm -hmm. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Now this was true historically of Nebuchadnezzar, and his was the greatest kingdom according to this prophecy. But he's a type of something else. He's a picture of that which will come because there's nothing new under the sun, right? Very true. So he really is a type of the Antichrist and he's going to control the earth at some point, mm -hmm. which seems to be, looks like it's going to be the next thing coming. Verse 39, and after thee, after Nebuchadnezzar died, after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. That was the silver part of the image. And another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. And we know historically that the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar was Babylon. They were conquered by Persia, mm -hmm. who ruled for a while, the silver kingdom. The, Persia was conquered by Greece and Alexander of Macedon, Alexander the Great. And they ruled for a while. They were the kingdom of brass. And Greece was conquered by Rome. Yes. The iron kingdom. All right. So we know that historically these things fell. They came to pass. They fell out. And when he says that the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron in verse 40, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise, meaning it's going to be a powerful and, and harsh kingdom. And it was. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron. And when you think about two feet and the mixed mixture of iron and clay, uh, feet end in ten toes. And in the end times, in the book of Revelation, in that seven-year period, ten kings arrive, and they give their power to the Antichrist when he shows up. So these ten kings are interesting because the feet are iron mixed with clay. Mm -hmm. Now, clay would have to represent humanity because God made Adam from the dust of the earth. Yes. Iron, then, would represent what? The fallen angels. I think so. And here's why. Because he says, Whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron... For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. 
And whereas thou saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So what do they mean when they say the seed of men? Well, the seed of men would have to be humanity. Okay. As in the children of men, the seed of men. Okay. But it could also mean like the genetics of men. You know, every child that was ever born started as a seed. Very right? true. An egg and a seed came together and formed the, the baby. So when you think about it, actually everything has a seed. You know, everything reproduces in some form or fashion with mm-hmm. a seed of Very some true. kind. <clears throat> so it's almost as though the angels have a plan when they come down to alter man's DNA again, this time instead of through procreation, as they did in Genesis 6 with the daughters of men, through injection or something, Mm -hmm. some delivery system, the mark, that causes men to change. And and it's not going to cleave. It's not going to hold together. Nope. It's like because and they're going to end up being destroyed, you know, because the anybody that takes the mark of the beast ends up in a place. And we're going to talk about this place at some point in the podcast, one of the podcast episodes. And it's called the Lake of Fire. And it's not on the earth now, but it will be in the future. Hmm. Very interesting. Is it kind of like a hell, basically? Well, hell as and we're going to even talk about the compartments inside the earth. We're going to do an episode called um the lower parts of the earth. And there's actually three things in hell, three compartments. Okay. Yep. There's a place called hell where it's a prison for the unrighteous who wait judgment. Then there's a place in between that hell and another compartment. And it's called the abyss or the bottomless pit where those angels are chained. Okay. And then on the other side of the bottomless pit, there's a place called Abraham's bosom. Now, why is it called Abraham's bosom? Well, he's there, Abraham, the patriarch. Oh, and so are so are the other disciples and other righteous men and women that mm-hmm. lived at their lives before Christ was born. Yes, and they would go because Christ hadn't died for sins yet. Mm-hmm. They couldn't go up to be with God. So, but because they were righteous, he couldn't put them in the prison. So they went to a place that Jesus referred to as paradise. When he was being crucified on the tree and the thief said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Mm-hmm. Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he didn't go to heaven when he died. It was three days before he ascended up. Mm-hmm. So that same day that he died, he went down into the lower parts of the earth. Okay. And, and so did that man, that thief on the cross. And where they would have gone was Abraham's bosom. So okay. we're going to talk about that at length at some time. That's an amazing story, uh, an amazing mystery to discuss. So we have seen then that they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. These angels are going to tempt something. It, it appears that it might have something to do with their genetic manipulations. So God revealed a secret in Daniel chapter 2, and could this be referring to angels attempting to alter mankind's DNA again? I wouldn't doubt it. It seems like everything's pointing to that with they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Christ refers to as it was in the days of Noah. And he didn't say they're going to marry again. He says they were marrying until the the flood took them all away. Mm -hmm. Also, when you talk about UFOs and what we understand and what's currently being declassified, there are many people that claim to have been abducted by UFOs. 
many of them claim that aliens tested them. They tested their reproductive organs, or they had they found things implanted into their bodies, little tracking devices or something. So why would aliens be interested in our reproductive organs? Well, because they're trying to figure out how to mingle themselves with the seed of men, is what I think. They're doing experiments. So to wrap this up, we'll go to Revelation chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 12. I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, verse 14, when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? So ultimately, it's almost like a little picture, a synopsis of what's going to happen. Angels fall, there's all these things going on, earthquakes and this and that, the mm -hmm. moon turned to blood, and then there's going to be all kinds of war and pestilence, and then when the Lord starts to come back, they're going to be able to see from heaven his arrival. It's like he's coming with an army of angels, his angels, you know, and men are going to say at that point, hide us, hide us, we can't abide this, his wrath is coming. They know they're going to be destroyed. And it seems to be that there are all these people that he just referred to, kings of the earth, great men, rich men, mighty men, whatever, are all crying out because they know that's the end for them. Yes. There's no more redemption for them. There's no hope for them. Something happened to them. The next episode we're going to talk about next week is called The Mystery of Iniquity. So till then, we'll say goodbye. If you enjoy our podcast every week, please go ahead and like and share. And please leave a comment down below on things that you would like us to talk about and anything that you think we can improve on. And we really do appreciate you listening today. I hope you'll tune in next time. So till then, have a great week. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at utbnow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.